Stand with me just for one verse. And if I didn't say this, the van will be leaving at 915, 915, 920. Uh, so if you're here at 925, it, it'll be like the rapture. You'll be left behind. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to to his purpose. Let me read this again. Can we read this together? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I want to end the series on Hope Rising today, and I want to call this one today, I want to call this one the crumbs of hope. The crumbs of of hope. Look at somebody beside you and say, all you got to do is have a crumb of hope. Y'all were real quiet. Look at the person behind you because the person beside you is still asleep. Look at the person behind you and say, all you got to do is have a crumb of hope. Father, we thank you, God, today. Father, I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you for your anointing. Father God, I thank you, God, that it is your anointing, God, that breaks jokes. That, God, it destroys, God, bondages, God. It destroys, God, God, everything that's blinded and, God, deaf according to you. But, God, it, God, it begins to resurrect things that are dead. And, Father, we thank you for the anointing, God, that I feel in this place. I thank you, God, for the anointing, God, that's going to destroy some things off of some people's lives, God, to get them according to your purpose. God, let them begin to recognize that, God, all things work together for the good of them, God, that love Christ Jesus. And, Father, God, we're going to get in the right place, God, in the right mind, God, and we're going to go according to what you have for us, God. God, I ask you, God, to anoint us, God, anoint me, God, anoint my words, God, anoint the hearts of your people, God, that they might receive today. Father, I thank you and I praise you, God, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Somebody shout amen. Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. The last few weeks we've been talking about hope and hope rising. We've talked about a few different things that have you know that the enemy wants, what he wants to do more than anything else is he wants to strip you of hope. He wants to strip you of hope that nothing in life will ever begin to turn around and nothing in life will ever begin to change. Nothing in life will always stay the exact same way. But have you know that we are not a people that are of the world, but we are a people of hope. Amen. We are a believer of hope. And the last few weeks I've been talking about that hope is a choice. You've got to choose to have hope. Amen. You've got to choose to have hope. The Bible says, David said, that this is the day that you have made and I will rejoice in it. And so the reality is if God made it, no matter what you're going through or no matter what the day looks like, hey, you know, if God made it, he designed it, you're not rejoicing in the day, but you're rejoicing in the one that made it. Amen. And so it's a choice every day to wake up with praise. It's a choice every day to wake up with worship. It's a choice to wake up every day with hope. And the reality is, I want to say this to you, that it's not just hope. It's something simply of changing your mind. Because no matter how much you change your mind in the natural, how we know that some things got to shift in the supernatural? Yeah, that you can't just change some things in the in in the in the in the mentality of your own mind because having you no know, that's a 
new age type doctrine that if I change my own mind, my perspective will begin to change. And yes, that is true to a point. But how do you know true change only comes through Jesus Christ? Okay, that's two of you. But how do you know the rest of us that, that the reality is that the only way that true change will come is through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the only way. And so the reality is my first choice toward hope has got not to be to change my own mind or to change my own way of thinking, but my first choice has got to be to go to Jesus. Yeah, I've got to go to Jesus and Jesus alone. I've got to let it be my first destination. Because if I seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things shall be added unto you. And so when I make him my first choice, he will begin to change some things about my life. He wants to heal our wounds. He doesn't want us to live in a place of denial. Have you know a lot of times in things we're going through, we we all have self denial. Yeah, we. I remember when I walked, when I went through the abuse of what I went through when I was thirteen years old, that I began to bury it down deep inside of me, and I acted like I did not happen because it was in a different state. I grew up in Florida; it happened in West Virginia, and so because I grew up in a different state, I began to bury it down deep inside of me. I continued to go to church. I continued to be a great work. Uh, a great youth leader. I showed up at every event. My hands were lifted. Everything was great on the inside of me, but something was festering down deep inside of me because I was having a place of self-denial. But thank God that he brought me back to West Virginia, my good God, not just to find him in a greater level, but to face my own demons, to awaken the passion back inside of me, to say, I won't let you deny it, but I will restore hope back to you greater in a greater measure than ever before somebody say amen he wants to cure your heart he doesn't want us to bury it and so many times because we bury our pain we bury our our hopelessness we bury our hurts we bury our frustrations come on now we all do it we're we're just thankful we showed up at work yeah we're just thankful we showed up at church we're just thankful uh, that uh, that I showed up back at home again. I, you're, you should just be thankful that I got there. Because if you knew what it took for me to get there, you would appreciate the smile on my face. But sometimes we've got to talk through the measure. We've got to talk it through not just with a neighbor, not just with a coworker, But more importantly, we've got to talk it through with Jesus. we got to have a little talk with Jesus. I like the old hymn that said sometimes I've got to just have a little talk with him. I've got to let it start there because when we bury our pain when we bury our pain just like Gideon I I don't know if you ever know the story of Gideon that here the whole the whole nation of Israel the whole nation of Israel was literally in a place of collapse it was in a place of turmoil it was in a place where that the nation had been had been had been overcome by, by many other 
uh, nations. And because the nations were there, they were setting up shop in Israel at its place. And here Gideon was. Gideon was the man that was going to eventually turn around the whole entire nation. Here Gideon was by himself, was going to turn around a whole nation back to God. But when we find Gideon in the Bible, it says he was in a hole. He was threshing wheat. He was hiding from the enemy. He was buried up not to be seen. No one could find him but his family. But can I tell you something? God found him right where he, where he knew he was. Can I let you know something this morning? That the reality is you may bury some things around you and you may hide it from the rest of the world, but God still knows about the hurt that is down deep inside of you. And he doesn't just want to leave it there, but he cares so much about it. He will bring the pain out of you to expose it back to yourself, to begin to put you back into a place where he can use you. Amen. And the reality is, here it was, when when he began to call Gideon out, he looked at Gideon and he said, Gideon, you are not just a man that is to be hidden in a hole, but he said, you are a man of valor. Isn't it amazing that God called him a different name than what he was in? He was a different person than what he was walking. Because how many know God sees you as who you really are? He don't see you for what you've walked through. He don't see you from the mess you've walked through. He don't see you from the rejection. He don't see you from the pain. He don't see you as a coward. He don't see you hiding things. But he sees you as a man of valor. And the reality is when he calls you a man of valor, how many know you are a man of valor? Yeah, you are these things. And let me say this, because here Gideon was, he was hiding. He was hiding in a hole. He was hiding in a place where it seemed like all hope was lost. And the thing is, you begin to see that when he poked his head up out of the hole, all he would see is that the nation had turned their whole entire nation over to Baal. Over to Asriel. You would see that Baal and Asriel had taken over the whole nation. And what they did was they stopped serving God and they stopped worshiping God, but they set up idols all around them. They set up idols to where they worshiped the idols rather than they did the true and living God of Israel. Hey, we know we all have idols. We all have idols in our life. We all have these things. The, the thing is, these idols had gotten so bad. Worship of Baal had gotten so bad within it that it says they were cutting bodies. They were, they were sacrificing children. And immorality was at a higher rate than it ever could be. Evil was hideous all around them. And all they would do is worship these idols rather than they would the true and the living God. Doesn't that sound familiar to our world today? We have children that are cutting themselves, people that are sacrificing their own, their own purpose and their own destiny. The suicide right is higher than it's ever been. Having to know we all have idols in our life. Maybe it's not idols. Listen, I've traveled, I had the pleasure of traveling to all different kind of countries. I've been to Trinidad, I've been to Honduras, I've been to Africa. And, and the reality is when, when you're in another country, idols are evident. You'll see the big blue god of Hindu, and he's got six, she's got six arms. 
you'll see different ones that they serve of Hindu gods and uh, of, of different types of gods. I remember going into this village in Africa, and, and here it was, this complete tribal-type setting. But right in the middle of the actual tribe itself was this one hut who had nothing but voodoo gods all in the hut. You could feel the presence of evil all around that thing. And it's what was the center or what ran the whole entire village. I want to let you know that we got that whole village saved. <laughs> we got that whole village saved, yeah. I don't want to go farther indeed, but we got that whole village, tore down the whole thing, tore it down. And so because there are major idols that we see set up, Have you ever walked into a Chinese restaurant and you see Buddha sitting on the little shelf and you rub his belly when you walk by? See, we don't have those things in everyday life. We don't have those things in America. So what happens is because we don't have physical idols, we don't think we have idols at all. But can I tell you something? The Bible says, do not put any other gods before me. Do not worship any other gods before me. And can I tell you something, anything that you put before God that that you put in place of him or in priority of him, have you know it becomes an idol in your life? Come on. And the reality is, what, what the Israelites was saying with Gideon, they were saying, since God of Israel did not come through for us, we will worship the gods of Baal instead. So because God had not came through for me, Can I just preach a little bit this morning? Because the God of Israel did not come through for me, I worship the God of Baal instead. And I get it. You're not going to your shrine room and you don't have the blue-armed woman of Hindu with with Ishtar, with the woman with the six arms. And I get it. You don't have a golden Buddha in your room, but maybe you have an idol of bitterness in your heart. Maybe you have an idol of negativity inside of you. Maybe you have an idol of to where, you know what, maybe these things don't work out in my marriage any longer, and so I'll put up walls of hurt and walls of frustration, things that don't make any sense, and so I'll put up idols in front of me. And so because, God, you haven't come through for me, I don't trust you any longer, and so I'll run to this rather than running to you. Come on, we all have these things. Maybe your idol has become Facebook. I'll run to Facebook before I run to anybody else. I'll run to Facebook because I want to know what everybody else is doing. And I'll put all my business out there because somebody will help me through this day. Somebody will give me enough likes. Somebody will give me enough encouragement. Somebody will tell me the right word. Come on now. Maybe it's not that, but maybe you just turn to the bottle of alcohol. And so what I'll do is I'll numb my senses. I'll numb what I'm walking through rather than let my senses be fully exposed and saying, God, deal with me how you want to deal with me. Come on now. How do you know it's easier to spew out negativity and spew out all kinds of junk all around you? And the first thing we do is we run to a neighbor and we say, neighbor, help me through this. Can I say something to you? Uh, you got to step, tell, let me just, let me drop this in here. Listen, if your family don't like your husband, it might be because you have made him not like your husband. 
Because every time you get around him, all you want to do is tell him the bad about your husband, the bad about your wife, the bad about everything he's doing. But then when you guys make up and you're over kissing her corner, mama still don't like that fool because all she can remember is what you told her the last time. Because she ain't made up with you yet. And having no mother-in-laws, they hold on to some stuff for the rest of their life. I'm not talking about my wife because my wife loves me. She ne- you'll never hear her say anything bad about me, ever. Me either. We don't, we don't do that thing. We, don't, we keep our stuff internal. We talk stuff out between us. You'll never hear when we have an argument. You might sense it sometimes, but you'll never know it. And so the reality is, the, the thing is, you can't run to these different idols all around you and expect things to turn around. And it's the same way that Gideon and his family was doing and the nation was doing. But because God wasn't coming through for them when they wanted it to be, they buried themselves deep in idols. They buried themselves deep. And I, I don't know what your idol is this morning, but sometimes maybe it's your friend that you run to rather than God. You know that friend's not good for you. You know that everywhere your conversation leads, you know the mess you still walk into. You know the issues, and so, but you still run there anyhow because I've got to go talk to Susie. I've got to go talk to him before I talk to God. But can I tell you something? God confronted Gideon over the idols before he did the nation. He said, before this nation can be turned around and before I can do anything in your life, you've got to cut the idols down in your life. And thank God that Gideon had just enough obedience that in the middle of the night, he got up and he took an axe and he tore down the God of Baal and the God of Asher. And listen, I don't know what you're dealing with in your life. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but we all have things that we've put in front of God. But we've got to go into the night season and say, I'm tearing this thing down out of my life because I want God to move in me and through me. I've got to tear down some idols. My question is to you this morning, are you willing to let God tear down some idols in your life? Are you allowed, will you allow him to tear down the idols of rejection, the idols of bitterness, the idols of sickness? The Can I tell you something? Some people love being sick. You know why? Because that's the only time they get sympathy. And so I'll be sick and and. And, and, I'll, and, and everybody will love me. And, and, and let me say this, and I'm not saying this, but we've had to create a program at the cancer center because what we found out is that when people get cancer, and I'm not comparing this to what I just said, but let me just throw this out there, that when people get cancer, there is so much compassion for them. There is so much understanding for that person, and no matter what they're walking through, we have a couple patients that are really funny, and that's how they deal with the issues they're going through. And, and they have a lot of humor. And they've literally got out of tickets by just saying, I came from chemo treatments. Come on now. And having to know if you're a police officer, you should let that person out of that, right? You, you should. Uh, <laughs> they'll get to the front of the line in restaurants, and, and they use it to their advantage because they're just they're funny people. And, and, and so they're out. But what we found out is, is that after the cancer goes away, all of that support and all that compassion are no longer is there anymore. And so there's this emptiness feeling inside of them because now they don't have the, 
the, the support or the help they once had. And so now they battle with, with bouts of depression when they should be rejoicing that the cancer is gone. They should be in a place of joy, that the, but yet they're in a place of depression. And it's not because the cancer is not there. It's because they don't have the support any longer to walk through a thing. And can I tell you something? Some people were addicted to pain because we like the support that comes along with it. We like going through dysfunction. Have you ever checked yourself on this? That maybe you just like walking through dysfunction. I remember when I first got saved because of all the abuse and all the junk I had walked through. When I first got saved, I was angry as can be. All I knew was to confront people. All I knew was to be bitter. All I knew was to, to walk into somebody's face. And I was addicted to the feeling of anger. I was addicted to it, to where I had to check myself and say, because how many know, listen, your emotions become like a drug to you. And so when my emotions are on high, I like that feeling, even if it leaves me in a bad situation. And so I was addicted to being dysfunctional. Because how many know, when you're living a life of stability, you don't get to make up all the time. But some people like that place of dysfunction, that place of anger, that place of negativity, because afterwards they get to kiss and make up with whoever. But can I tell you something? You get angry with with somebody long enough, how do you know they'll leave your life? And that might be your idol this morning, that maybe you're just dysfunctional. Maybe there's an anger issue. Maybe there's a lust issue. Maybe there's something longing for something new inside of you. There's something inside of you that constantly can't stand just being stable. But can I tell you something? God wants to make you stable in this world. I didn't say he wants to make you boring, but he wants to make you stable. The reality is, God, when you get stable in God, he will do exceedingly abundantly abundantly above anything that you can ask or think he will let you see things at the heights of mountains like you've never seen before but because I like that idol, I like that idol of what I'm walking through. I like that idol of how I feel. I like that idol of the numbness that I walk through. I like that idol of the highness I feel in my emotions, in my brain. It triggers things inside of me. But can I tell you some God is calling today and saying, tear the idols down in your life. Tear it down because I can never do something in you and in your family and in your job and in your nation and in this region until we tear the, 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 the idols down in our life and just like Gideon we got to get up in the darkest season of the night and say I refuse to keep living this way and I want something better for myself somebody shout amen I don't know about you I wasn't real happy about the snow yesterday I wasn't real happy about it Uh, it's springtime I like Michael what you said you said mother nature is drunk please go back to sleep I appreciate that because it's true. Uh, she don't even know what season she's in. And here we are in spring, but she's still trying to give us a little bit of winterness. Trying to give us a little bit of winter. And I don't know about you, I want to see things grow again. It, it doesn't make any sense for me to look out the window of my tree and I see blooms on it, but I see snow on the branches. Because it's in a confusing season where things don't make any sense. And some of us are still in a winter season in our life. Some of us are still where God is wanting to take you into a place, a season of growth like Gideon, but you refuse and stay in the winter 
season. You stay in the dying season. You stay in the season where things are, are, are frozen and not moving. And so because you're so used to the place where nothing is moving around you, you've gotten used to life not moving. As long as it's routine, as long as I get up, as long as I go to work, as long as I come home, as long as I eat dinner at a certain time, as long as I kiss my kids goodnight, that is fine with me. But nothing is growing in your life. And you have stayed stuck in a winter season for a year, for a for two years, for a decade, for 20 years, to where nothing has changed and nothing has moved, and you have made an idol out of apathy. You have made an idol out of not growing. You have made an idol out of staying stationary. But the reality is God wants us to go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. He wants us to grow and continue to go up Jacob's ladder within him. The winter season, the reality is the winter season, and when you begin to see Ezekiel chapter 47, it's a perfect example that it begins to talk about this winter season, that everything is frozen. Everything is completely iced over. Nothing is changing. But the winds of the Holy Ghost begin to come into that chapter. And when you begin to see the heat applied to that winter season, the thing that was frozen all of a sudden begin to melt. And I don't know about you, the biggest danger thing about a thing that is melting is that when the when the when the ice is melted and and the and the rivers are frozen that when when it begins to unfreeze and the winds of warmth begin to come in it begins to make a flood all around it but can I tell you something God wants to make a flood of growth in your life he wants your season to change and we begin to see there in Ezekiel chapter 47 that when the river came it didn't come all at once because he didn't want Ezekiel overtaken with it but he gave him a little bit of time to get used to it he said the river is up to my ankles and then he looked down again in another verse and he said the the river is up to my knees and the river is up to my waist and he said I got to the place where I begin to swim in the river can I tell you something God is wanting to change your season he is wanting to change everything that you've been walking through that maybe you haven't grown in a long time but God said I want you to grow in this next season your season is changing to the confusion the disillusioned your season is changing for the heart grieving and the pain and the loss your heart your season is changing for the faithful weary soldier your season is changing for those that are lost and without a love your season is changing for the heart sick and the hopeless your season is about to change. Somebody shout amen. Song of Solomon, one of my greatest, my favorite books of the Bible, because a lot of people don't understand it, but it is a comparison of the love story of Jesus to the church. And in it, in Song of Solomon 2, verse 10, he says, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along, for behold, the winter is past. Can I tell you something? Somebody needs to hear this. The winter is past, my good God. I don't care what this weekend showed us. The winter is past. It is a season of growth, one life. 
It is a season of growth for your family. It is a season of growth for your life. And I don't care what season you're in. You got to make up in your mind. This is my season and the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers have already appeared in the land and the time has arrived for pruning the vines and the voice of the turtle dove, my good God, has heard in our land and the fig tree has ripened its figs and the vines and blossom have given forth their fragrance. Let me tell you something, God is calling, arise my my bride. And he said, come because the season is changing. Psalm chapter 51, we all know this verse. He says, create in me a new heart, a right spirit, that every crooked place, every wicked place, every place that's not like you, God, make it new within me. Make it new. Can I tell you something? Let me read it in the message, in the message version. And man, when I read this, it hit me like a ton of bricks to where I said, God, this is going to be my scripture for this year. In the message, he says, God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. I'm going to read that again to you, and I hope that sinks into you. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Bring me back from the gray exile and put a fresh wind in my cells. Let me tell you something. I don't care what you're walking through today. God wants to give you a fresh start. God wants to give your hope back. The Bible begins to talk about, he says there, for all things work together for the good of them that love Christ Jesus. When God found Gideon, he was hidden in a place of a threshing floor, unhidden to the world. No one could see him, but God found him. After it was over with, and he had fought the the, the gods of Baal and the worship of Baal, God changed his name to Jerubabel, which means a Baal conqueror. Can I tell you something? That you may be in a season where you look the weakest and you've ever looked in your life. You may be downtrodden more than you've ever been. You may be more hurt than you've ever been in this season. But God said in the end of a thing, I'm going to call you a conqueror of every single thing you are facing today. Every giant that seems to be overtaking you today. God said when you tear down the idols, you are going to be a conqueror of the very thing that was conquering you. He said, I'm going to give you a fresh start. I'm going to give you... Let me say this. Gideon did not have all the resources in the world. When he first stood up, tens of thousands came to fight with Gideon. By the time it was over with, 300 stood at his side. To fight a nation that had been taken over by enemies. What it shows me, and and even in the verse, he says there, he says, Gideon, I was looking for you, not even everybody else around you. Because through you, you were going to turn a whole nation around. Somebody is saying in their spirit right now, I don't have what it takes to conquer this thing. I don't have what it takes to get where God wants me to be. I don't have what it takes to get there. But can I tell you something? Neither did Gideon. 
neither did I. Neither did people sit in this room. Did they have what it takes to get up and be what God had called them to be? But can I tell you something? He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. And can I tell you something? The reality is when you stand on the other side of it all, you're going to stand and see how good God was. And you're going to see a different person that stares in the mirror at you today. Let me end with this. Romans chapter 8, 28 says, For we know that all things work together for them that love Christ Jesus, that are called according to his purpose. The word work together in the Greek means son sonergio. It's a word that we use in the English for synergy. And he says that it works together as synergy. That when I put All things together. When I work, all these things. Let me read it to you. It says, for we know that God calls us all things for synergy to the good of those that love God. He will take all things of your life and make it work for your good. He will make it strengthened for your good. He will make all things. He will take the pain from your childhood and make it for your good. He will make the loss of a loved one and work it for your good. He will take the sickness of a loved one and work it for your good. He will take the laid offness that you had from your job and work it for your good good. It may not look like it today, but when he takes the ingredients of your life that you see the person standing before you, that when I was walking through it, it didn't seem good for my life. But now that I'm past it, my good God, it was good for me. I couldn't be who I am today without what I walked through in my life. I seen this once that a chef, he was cooking and he was cooking uh, an ing- some ingredients, and he was cooking a cake, and he says there, flour by itself does not taste good. Bacon soda by itself does not taste good. The ingredients of everything that's mixed into a cake individually does not taste good. Shortening does not taste good. For some of you weirdos, I want to let you know butter does not taste good by itself. Maybe you do. You need help. We're going to pray for you today. See, I knew there were some weirdos that like butter by itself. No. So you take the ingredients by itself. It doesn't taste good. But isn't it amazing when you take all the ingredients and you mix it together? My good God, how good it tastes. When you take the hurt from your childhood that didn't taste good by itself, when you take the pain of rejection by itself, it doesn't taste good. When you take when that person walked out of your life, it didn't taste good. That disappointment you walked through in your life, it didn't taste good. It made you upset, it made you cry, it made you weep. But can I tell you something? When you worked all the ingredients together, my good God. When you work all of the ingredients together, 
it was good for you. It was good for you that you're still standing here today. And you may not be everything that you want to be, but can I tell you something? You're still here today. And when you take all of those things that worked out in your life and you mix it in with just the ingredient of hope, can I tell you something? God is going to make all things work together for the good of you. I don't know about you, but I guarantee there's some people in here that can testify that when you look back over your life, that you don't know how in the world you walked out of some situations. You don't know how. Look, I look back over my life, and I feel like a different person than who I was 20 years ago. I feel like a different person than who I was 10 years ago. But it was good for me that I walked through the very thing that I walked through. And can I tell you something? It may not have tasted good, but it was for your good that God allowed you to go through it. Stand with me this morning. Come on. Stand with me this morning. I'm telling you, listen, it may not have felt good to you, but I'm telling you, it was good for you. I don't know where you're at in this place. I don't know where you're in in life this morning. But God wants to work it together for your good. He wants to work it together for your good. Come on, just begin to lift up your hands right there where you're at. Just begin to lift up your hands. Father, I thank you, God. Father, I praise you, God. God, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. God, some things didn't make any sense to us. But God, I'm thankful, God, that we walked through it. And God, that you've called our name the Conqueror. God, I may not have walked like the abuse that I walked through, but I'm thankful that I am a conqueror of abuse. God, I may not have liked the sickness that I walked through, but I'm thankful that I am a conqueror of sickness. I may not have liked the, the rejection that I walked through, but I'm thankful that I'm a conqueror of the rejection I walked through. God, the failure I walked through. God, I'm thankful, God, that I'm not a failure, but I'm a conqueror of failure. Listen, if that's you this morning, I want you to come to this altar. We're going to tear down some idols in this place this morning. I could be the first at this altar saying, God, let these things tear down in my life. Let these things, the very things that are holding me back from seeing the other side, I want to see it tore down in my life. Don't let the enemy lie to you and make you feel like you got to keep hiding the pain. Keep hiding it underneath the place where Gideon was at. But I want to tell you, God wants you to arise and see the greatness that is inside of you. So if that's you this morning, I want you to come to this altar. Come on. And if you can't come personally, I want you to just begin to flood this altar. We're going to tear down the idols in in Nitro right now. Come on. We're going to begin to tear down the idols and the idols and everything that stops the movement of God, the revival of God, the thing that's the very thing that's stopping God. I want God to begin to say there's a people, a remnant that says they are calling for my name. Come on, if that's you and you're with me, I dare you to be like Gideon's army and say, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm with you. We're going to tear down the idols here in Nitro.
Father God, we thank you, God, this morning. Father, we praise you, God. Father God, we declare, God, right now, that God, you are high and lifted up. God, you are high and lifted up, God. God, we praise you, God, that we are conquerors. We are overcomers, God. God, we thank you, God, that the past is the past. God, I thank you, God, that one life's future is brighter, God, than his past. Everything that stands against it, God, we declare in the name of Jesus, our future is bright in the name of Jesus.
Father God, I pray, God, over top of One Life Church right now. God, I pray, God, over top of Nitro, God. God, I pray over this region and I declare good things. I declare good things, God. God, I declare great things, God, according to your purpose, God. God, everything that you have for us, God, I ask you, God, to flood us. Flood us with the Holy Spirit, Father God. God, let this next move, God, come with the flood of the Holy Ghost, God, in such a way, God, that it overtakes us, God. God, everything that we plan in the natural, God, God, let it be taken over in the supernatural, God. God, we declare, God, over one life hurricane, God, that, God, the flood of the Holy Spirit, God, will flood our leadership, God, and will flood our church, God. God, we declare, God, over one life nitro, God, a flood of the Holy Spirit, God, will flood, God, and revival will begin to happen, God, that sons and daughters will raise up, God, to be a part of the kingdom, God, from the north and the south and to the east and the west, God. We declare, God, that the dead season is over, but, God, the season is changing in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare it, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good this morning?